three, two, one, record. Thank you for joining oh, us for the hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Of got course. It. I got it. I Always got it. Glenn. Always oh, Glenn. Freaking audacity. Love you, audacity. I don't know about that. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PEPCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week 35 of 2022. I'm Chris Louie, and broadcasting live here with the hot dad himself in hot and sunny Chicago. Come here for the pizza, stay because you are murdered. <laughs> What's up, everybody? So happy to be back. Uh, little update. The uh, the razor install with the music uh, the following weekend took it out and enrolled it so there you go I'm a winner hope you're <laughs> safe everyone's fine though no safe. one died yeah. good to so hear that's all Brian. that matters no one died yeah or got hurt or got hurt majorly yeah. marginal gains and we have Glenn Medina not joining us live this week because he no longer works with us where are you broadcasting from this week hey everybody. I, you know, I'm so jealous because I'm not in Chi-Town with you guys. This is crazy. I, I tried to head out there, but I couldn't find a, a reason to do so. So either that, they probably wouldn't let me into the to the building anyway over there. But uh, happy to be here, guys. And uh, yeah, Brian, you got to take it easy on that thing. You can't uh, do those 25 minute, 25, uh, you know, uh, feet uh, cliff jumps over there. <laughs> uh, it's funny. As soon as I got home and I walked in with like the uh, cone of shame, my wife's like, you're back early. I'm like, yeah, everyone's okay, but yeah, we rolled it. And she's like, we're going to sell this thing. <laughs> she thinks it's a death trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's when you tell her, I need more power and wider tires. Yeah, I think she definitely would have sold it then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be pretty safe, right? If it's a, if you have a, it's a roll cage, a steel cage. and I don't know. I think... I agree, but I think if you had a wider stance on that thing with some bigger, beefier tires, I don't think you would have rolled it. So, I'll be honest with you, it is a safe vehicle, but the, the biggest risk is the passengers in there with you trying to stick their arm out to stop the car from rolling over. Yeah, the, by oh, instinct. Yeah. yeah, that's how you yeah. break arms. Yep. Oh, so you gotta, I know. What, straight jackets. There you go. Straight Everyone jackets. Everyone has to wear straight jackets. That's a safety feature. <laughs> Either that or tape, tape their hands across their chest when seatbelt them in. Oh, my gosh. So. So you have to give a, a safety briefing before they get in. If you do roll it, uh, you're not responsible. And leave hands and arms inside the cockpit. Exactly. Make them sign the waiver. I'll definitely do it, Chris. I don't trust him. <laughs> He's looking for a reason to get rich. <laughs> well, no guess this week. We actually had a no-show today, so just us hosts. Combined, we have decades of information security experience in here, not just to educate, but to entertain We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Arif. Arif is the candidate that I interviewed a few weeks ago who inspired us to finally write the book. I actually met him in person this week, so he did end up joining the company, and I told him that he played a big part in getting our SE book started. We started it? <laughs> we have an Just outline kidding. in a Google we Doc. Do. That's more we than we had before he encouraged us to pursue the project. We do. I plan on I plan on actually starting this next week, so it'll be done by goal. next week. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I don't know about you, Brian, but a lot of people here at the, we're at our company kickoff this week, which is why Brian and I are together, but a lot of people have been coming up to me and saying that they're listeners and fans of the podcast, so I think a lot of people have recognized me from from that. How about you? Has anyone told you yeah. about the podcast? Definitely a couple of people. I signed a few babies just right on their forehead. They'll probably get it tattooed on, just like Ricky Bobby stuff. But yeah, it's, it's been pretty cool. All I know is now we have a lot of guests we can line up. Yeah, definitely. And I need to print more stickers. I gave out a whole bunch of stickers. Nice. I thought they only get stickers if they're on the show. It's true. Yeah, they, that was the original way to get it. And then now, if you're a fan and you come up to me and say you're you're a fan, then I've been I've been giving out stickers. But flattery nice. works as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Closing the loop this week, we've got. The full week analytics for our special Ask Me Anything episode that we all did together out at Black Hat. That was episode 73, where the three of us were in person. And I have to say, the numbers were astounding. We had a 10% uptick in weekly subscriber growth, triple the number of online impressions, six times the number of social media interactions. So just a win all across the metrics. So thank you, listeners. That's pretty impressive, considering we didn't really do anything to... Make it look sexy. Yeah. It's just, and then we're like, it's a special episode. Every week is special. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it, we got some. It, it just reminds me, though, is like, was, was our, was our OPSEC pretty loose on that, though? Because now people know some secrets about us. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we said anything that should compromise us, I don't believe. I mean, Chris did post a photo, so everyone knows I'm not Asian now. So there's that. <laughs> Despite your huge <laughs> online social media presence. <laughs> oh, one thing I have not mentioned yet is that when we did episode 69 and you guys egged me on to have a certain theme to it, that actually did lead to a 35% drop in weekly listeners. The only thing I could attribute that drop to is that one of the major platforms we're syndicated on, they had to have shadow banned us that week due to the topics. We just got to just put a straight line and follow it from here on out. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah. No more racing Stay tuned topics. for 420 episode. <laughs> episode 420. <laughs> no more racing funny. topics, Chris. <laughs> what, um, what Steve Gibson did on his podcast, when they reached episode 404, they went from 403 to 405, and they said, you know, episode 404 not found. Maybe we'll do something similar. Yeah, like 302 redirect? Yeah. I don't know what that means. <laughs> 418, I'm a teapot. <laughs> Oh my gosh. For our second closing the loop story, Google announced that they saw and successfully mitigated yet another record record breaking DDoS attack over the internet. In just two minutes, the DDoS attack escalated from 100,000 requests per second to a record breaking 46 million requests per second, almost 80% more than the previous record, which was an HTTPS DDoS attack of 26 million requests per second that Cloudflare mitigated back in June, and we reported on the podcast. I figure it's not worth dedicating an entire story to it since we beat that horse to death on DDoS attacks, and the numbers just keep on skyrocketing. To put it into perspective how massive the attack was at its peak, Google says it was the equivalent of getting all the daily requests to Wikipedia in just 10 seconds. No word on who the target customer was. All I hear is people still use Wikipedia. Yeah, and you thought people wouldn't recognize the logo. That's that's true, actually. If you don't understand that reference, go watch my latest YouTube video. There you go. 
link 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 will be in the show notes. I'll give you I'll give you a free shout out there. Yeah, hype me up, people. Like and subscribe. Smash the like button. Comment if you really felt it's like I changed your life. All right, for our opening topic, I did not want Brian to get away with not telling us his attempted murder story on how on now that we've confirmed the statute of limitations has expired. Other than the mild annoyance of someone else drinking your OJ, why did you find the need to put bleach in the communal orange juice? We need details. So number one, it wasn't communal at all. It happened to be in a communal fridge, but it was my orange juice. And I wasn't trying to kill nobody. I just wanted to sour the taste a little bit. So when Chris went to go get a little Sipsky, he'd be like, oh, this thing's bad. And be like, gotcha. You have to edit that out. <laughs> Why bleach, though? Why not <laughs> something else that tastes bad that's not potentially deadly? I'm open for suggestions in case I need to do this again. Soap. Like, soap would have made it taste oh, bad. Well, then I can't drink that. Yeah. Well, I guess I can't drink the bleach but, either. Well, bleach <laughs> you can. Thanks, Brian, trolling me here. <laughs> when you yeah, tell Brian, someone, go I drink need clean bleach. urine, guys. You have no, no idea. <laughs> Do you, do, you, do you guys recall any high school kids that would do that? It's like, ah, oh, i got to go piss on a cup, so I'm going to drink a bunch of bleach. No. No, I did I did not hang out with that crowd in high school. I did not either, but I know they existed. And they thought that they would pass a urine test if they drank bleach? Yeah. My wife tried but it. How mu- how, wait, wait, hold on. How much bleach? How much bleach? Like a cap full, I believe. Cap full? Yeah. Cup full. Like, you know the little blue caps? It's like a shooter, you know, no big deal. Uh, okay. Little shot. Little shot ski. Alright, some interesting methods to beat a drug test. I know Mythbusters I can't remember if it was the drug test one, because I know they had something about the poppy seed bagel, so I don't know if they're trying to see if it would trigger a positive or if they were trying to hide it. But I think Myth Mythbusters did something like that. Was it busted or was it confirmed? I don't remember. I'd have to look it up. Way, way to just lead people to make us listen to, <laughs> to as watch a, that episode. Yeah, <laughs> as a follow-on to last week's episode, Closing the Loop, <laughs> Mythbusters actually said it was confirmed. We'll see. So that was it. So you didn't want to hurt them. You just wanted to catch them in the act of stealing your OJ. Yeah, well, I don't think I would have caught them. But I think you never caught the, wait, you never caught the person like throwing up after drinking <laughs> bleach-filled orange juice? No, no, not at all. Is that you, weird? You said the person smelled it or something, wasn't it? That's how they got it? I think that's how they figured it out, yeah. yeah don't you guys do the smell test on anything you drink? That's not my just first milk. instinct. <laughs> yeah, milk, yeah, for sure. Just milk. milk hey, like when I, back when I would still drink Rockstar, I'd crack that baby open, take a big whiff, and then chug. I don't even know why. In case someone poured bleach in it, apparently. Exactly. Damn factory workers. All right, for our first topic, I had something interesting but not unexpected happen to me last week when I noticed one of my outdoor cameras went offline. If you get as many notifications and alerts as I do, I don't check the notification uh, right away, but a few hours later, and it said it was still offline. So I went outside to go check, and sure enough, my camera was gone, so someone had stole one of my outdoor cameras. This camera is the battery-operated kind that's just mounted magnetically to a mount. You screw into the wall. The footage was unavailable by the time I checked, a problem I have since rectified. The camera's location is not in a position where it would have been a crime of opportunity either. 
this camera monitors an alleyway by my house and someone would have had to walk at least 25 yards off the sidewalk onto my property to steal the camera. Well, I told you guys in group chat that you said crackheads will be crackheads. Since the camera is cloud connected, the vendor will blacklist the serial number so it's useless for its resale value. And the vendor also has a policy to replace stolen cameras free of charge, provide you send them a copy of the police report. I have done just that. So I'll keep you posted on the progress of that. So how many hours actually went by before you checked it and actually lost the footage? It was a couple hours. So there's different tiers of cloud storage retention. I was on one of the, the lower end ones. I've since up upgraded that now that I know that that's not enough. You hear that first, no. guys? And girls, no need for, Chris is no a need cheap for, old bastard still no, this day. No, no need for public shaming, Chris. I'll return the camera. I'm so sorry. I apologize. <laughs> like, go ahead and bring it back. No questions asked. So all I'm hearing is that the Louis family has tons of bat- battery-operated toys over there. I have some, but yeah, now that I have the proper amount of cloud storage, it, it that doesn't still doesn't make sense to me because necessarily you have to be on camera. I position it in such a way that no, there are no blind spots, so you can't sneak up on it. So the person you have a camera for your camera though. Camera for the camera. Did you have one though? Not this really? one. You oh, got a what camera a for the camera. Yeah, so the, the camera would have caught him if the cloud storage didn't delete it by then. Hmm. There's a, there's a, I think a Netflix documentary about the uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. People like jumping off. Yeah. I think it's called the bridge or something like that. And they would set up like a camera and like catch these people. Well, not like, not like actually catch them, but they would record them jumping off the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's pretty pretty messed up documentary. Yeah, there's a joke in there. We both missed it. It's a scream. <laughs> we'll listen to the replay on that. Yeah, but no, well, it's a good thing I'm getting bad audio from you, Deech. <laughs> that would explain it all. That's why I didn't laugh. Yeah, I didn't think that'd be a problem, but I mean, it's good that they they have the policy to replace it if it was legitimately stolen because that that is a concern. Like before, I got it. And, internet connected doorbell i was saying what what happens if someone steals it but most of the vendors out there have a policy if it gets stolen they'll replace it for free that's pretty cool So, how useful is this camera if you don't save anything (laughs) it's it it will it will be useful yeah i won't give away too much of of my opposite but no it it will be useful and i have pretty good coverage around the house for it was useless is what we're hearing Chris has just got the fake cameras up there, a nine volt battery and a blinking light. There you go. In this instance, yeah, yeah, should have checked it earlier. There were reasons why I couldn't get to it in, in time, but but yeah, that has since been rectified. So don't try to break in. I will catch you. My uh, so I, my kid. my theory on adding a uh, like a shock sensor on there, so that way if anyone touches it, they get a little bit of a shock. That that's not legal or legit. Yeah, I'd probably get sued in California for that. You hurt my robber's feelings. Howie. <laughs> they do have I'm some California. anti-theft mounts that like wrap around it and then it gets tied and screwed in under the mount or something. But yeah, I didn't think that would be necessary, but it might be something I have to look into. And this one, it, it is reachable, so someone can walk up to it and take it. Most of the cameras are mounted up high. You need a ladder for it, but this one I just... I was in a bind. I had to get it up, and I just never took the time to put it in its rightful spot. I bet Say you that again. You had up. to. You had to do what with it? You had to get it up. 
Is that what you said? You had trouble getting it up, yeah. (laughs) Had to mount it in a higher location. (laughs) (laughs) We have, like, cameras all over the house. And my kids don't seem to understand that the intended use is just for, like, bad things to happen, right? Like, but no, every time that there's a fight, they're like, go back to the video, Dad. You're going to see sister being mean to me. I'm like, oh, gosh, shut up. That's not what I'm talking about. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Time out. A lot of these are me met are met for the outdoors, and you're what you're saying is you have this recording in inside the house. Yeah, Brian? like if you come in the house, you're on, you're on camera, baby. You're on camera. Okay. Yeah. Is that concern for the dogs, or is that actually like break-ins, or this is just recording what's going on in the common it areas? It is 100 for the dogs when I first did it, and then I went to like the pan tilt zoom. I was like, well, you know, if anyone ever breaks in, we get a great picture of them stealing all my cool stuff. But it's only on the first floor. So if you're a bad guy, come in through the second floor, or I'm lying. You'll never know. (laughs) That's where the the sentry robots are on the second floor you have to watch out for. And the toilet cam. That thing's weird. (laughs) Yeah, especially the bedroom cam. The bedroom cam is probably the one that gets everybody. That that gets the most, most action. What's funny is that I actually put one up in the bedroom when we have people house sitting. I'm like, hey, just if you walk in here, like this thing's gonna follow you everywhere that you go, and they walk in, and they can see it like tracking them. So it keeps them out. Yeah, I love it. No one sleeps in my bed except for me. And Goldilocks. Sure, I'm a bear. <laughs> All right, for our second topic, U.S. Maine Justice finally learned its lesson and made the case files for high-profile and important cases not available online. They effectively air-gapped the case files by, get this, printing them on paper. The only way to access these sensitive court records is to physically go to the courthouse and pull up the paper records. This method is highly effective as U.S. Maine Justice saw successful cyber attacks against its infrastructure, and they know the attackers were intending to access the sensitive case files but they were unavailable because they only exist in paper form. If anyone out there remembers the first Kingsman movie, Samuel L. Jackson's character Richard Valentine has a line in the movie where he says he loves writing things down with pen and paper because nobody can hack it, and that's still very much the case here. Unless they burn down the building, then everything's gone forever. Yeah, they should have a backup of that. Yeah, do you think they did two copies? Yeah, two copies, one at Main Justice and <laughs> one at an offsite. Maybe they use like Iron Mountain or something. Or like Mar Largo. Do do you guys remember the days of carbon copy paper? Yeah, I remember carbon copy. Is is that what what they're doing here? Is that in case you need to make copies, you do it through carbon copy? Or these are actually uh, digitized copies? Not digital, but uh, actually make copy copies of these things. Copy the copy? Yeah, they could probably photocopy it, but it's just not scanned and stored anywhere because too many hackers getting in and access to these these case files so i only hear two things one hackers are not going to hack the printer dump the memory get a copy and then two the dunler mifflin sales team is static because they've been selling them paper all this time yeah it's good good time to be in the paper business but who knew that's that's all it took to make an area of say you don't need to bolster your cyber defenses you just have to go back to the medieval ages and and just have everything written down Sure, that's like telling me you got to start using checks now, too. Like, how many people still use checks? I have to do a passport renewal rather than write a check. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like what? bust out a scroll. 
Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Stone oh, yeah. and chisel. Chisel and hammer. Uh, you know, Control-F doesn't work on paper documents. <laughs> yeah, that that was the other thing I was thinking of that. Yeah, it's not OCR, so if you have to search this thing, like you, you have to read like every single page of it. That, that's got to be a pain. Table of contents. Old school. Returning back to the old school ways for sensitive cases. Quick was crazy. there a particular in case that they had to do this for? They did. I don't think they outlined specifically which one it was. They just said it was some high-profile case that would gather, you know, foreign interest. Uh, I'm guessing it's related to spying or foreign hackers. That, that would, those would be my guesses. Maybe to try to find the confidential informants or the identities of the leakers, something like that. And your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Maybe it's like the KFC recipe. Could be. That's locked in two separate vaults in two separate states, I believe. Is it printed or is it a digital copy? I think it's printed. I think it's printed. It's in a vault. They hire two companies. One company processes half the spices. The other company processes the other half. So no single company knows the entire recipe. And then they combine the two halves. How like effed up would it be if it was just like a photocopy? Literally cut in half of a Betty Crocker recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no one's, no one's cracked that code yet of the KFC secret secret spices. But do, do you think it's really that great? I mean, I am I like chicken, but KFC is not the first place I'd go to. Sorry, KFC. Uh, you guys? I'm a Popeyes. I'm a Popeyes guy for... Not a Popeyes. Um, I'm a Chick-fil-A guy for, for chicken chicken sandwich. Love yeah. that Chick-fil-A. I can't remember the last time I had uh, KFC. Yeah, I'm a big Popeyes or Church's night. Chicken. Do you guys know Church's Chicken? Have you guys heard of them? Yeah, Church's yeah, is good. Church's we have churches yeah. out here. Yeah. Good old chicken talk. All right, for our third topic, our data breach story of the week. I do not like it when companies get hacked and innocent people get their data exposed, but I just have to laugh at Mexico's second largest bank, Grupo Financiero Benorte, just had to poke the sleeping bear. In a truly... What? F me? F you situation. An administrator on the underground crime forum breached, advertised a data dump of 10 million customers of the bank, and was taking offers for the data as a broker. The bank responded by having their legal department send the breached admin a cease and desist letter, saying their claims of the data breach were false and damaged the reputation of the bank. They even filed a DMCA takedown notice to force the admin to take down the post. If it's one thing these underground hacker forms are known for, it's obeying these legal notices. The database includes full names, addresses, phone numbers, Mexican tax IDs, email addresses, and even account balances. This would be a Fisher's or Identity Thief's treasure trove of information. Benorte had the opening salvo, but the breach admin responded by buying the data dump itself so he was acting as a broker but now he actually bought it himself and no longer financially motivated and in an act of pure revenge the details were made available for free for anyone online making things much worse for the bank this will go down as a case study for what not to do in a response to a data breach all i know is the cartel runs everything in mexico so i have no comments here guys <laughs> no one's they're probably the ones that breached the bank and stole the data. You think so? Maybe. Well, in that case, uh, bravo, guys. Keep it up. Good job. <laughs> yeah, 
You're the one that's on that cartel TikTok. It's a real thing. Yeah. I, do you touch this, Brian? Is that why you're not touching this? Is because concerns for cartel action here against you. That's too funny. I'm pretty close to you guys. You know, at least you're NorCal. I'm in Arizona. Like, you know, it's a couple hour drive. Yeah, he's a lot closer to the border than we are. I guess so. But All I'm saying is bring a lunch and flashlight. You wake up and be dark outside, you'd be hungry. You know, I, I didn't think about it that way. It's kind of funny, Brian, because I didn't think about it that way. But now that you mentioned it, it's like, hmm, that's kind of a, that's an interesting angle. My thing is like, really, why would a bank in 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 Mexico try to use legal action in order to take down a a uh, this group here? Uh, apparently, they don't realize that this is not a group that would abide by legal action to begin with. Just like you said, Chris. Yeah, it's an underground hacker form. You expect them to obey this DMCA takedown notice. Yeah, I don't see how that's yeah. a good idea, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, they just made him mad and he leaked the data for free. So now there's 10 million customer records out there. And yeah, that the bank's having a bad day. It's supposed to be like I mean, the you know, youngest. Not, not to flex too hard, but like when I got those violation notices, I just threw them in the garbage can. Yeah. Like a few guys yeah, they downloaded around one. They can't prove it's it. Supposed- the CISO's like straight out of college or something like this legal group straight out of college saying they've got to do the right thing. But still, still, uh, still learning and haven't licked their chops yet from, from battles lost. Nope. So what's going to, like, what's the recourse? Is like, like all their customers is going to freak out? Yeah, everyone gets a new social security number? Yeah. Or Mexican identification number, whatever it's called. Yeah. It's sort of like the Equifax breach. It's like the data's out there now. It's out in the ether. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. These, 10 million citizens have their data permanently exposed online now. Have you checked to see if you were in Equifax? I don't know if I think, well, based on the number of records lost statistically, yeah, we were all in it. Yeah. I don't know. If so I just check it because they never found the, they never found the data. Right. So, so I, I joined the class action lawsuit for that, the Equifax loss. And they told me, and I tried to uh, claim, uh, like loss and punitive damages. They told, yeah, and damages and and as part of that, they're like, no, you don't, you didn't, uh, you didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't uh, um, submit any documents. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I submitted a whole bunch of documents. So it's like, what was the whole point of that? It's like, where I need to go secure a lawyer to find out if I can go get my two hundred fifty dollars back. So not worth yeah, it, they- right? <laughs> they said there are so many people that wanted the the cash instead of the free credit monitoring that they they just ran out of money. They said everyone got like a three cent check, so they just didn't give any of the money. The lawyers got rich, and we got nothing. Oh, jerks. They're hoping more people would take the free credit monitoring. Yeah, that they no, probably thank you. offer right. Yeah, that they offer. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then was they like sixteen dollars or the, the credit monitoring. Everyone chose sixteen dollars, and yeah, there's not enough money in the settlement fund for everybody. It, it, and then I'm it sure. auto renews for like two hundred dollars a year. <laughs> so, yeah. You beat me to it. That's exactly what I was gonna say. When you sign up for this free credit monitoring, just give us your credit card in case you really like it, and we'll yep. auto renew. Auto renew. Hey, That's how they get. Hey, I don't know, but maybe you guys know this. Does Equifax and those TransUnion do those do those work for other countries, or is that U.S. bound only? They are U.S. credit bureaus, but I know the Equifax breach also had data on U.K. citizens. I believe so the U.K. might use them as well. There's a silver lining. Maybe it was more Ukraine people than U.S. And we're not in there. 
But you realize Ukraine and the UK are two different countries, right? I didn't hear that. I thought you said Ukraine. Did you say UK? I said the UK. Oh, my bad. You guys are sitting next to each other. What's going on? I got a crazy... So, I can hear everything that he's saying through his headphones, and then my AirPods aren't muting it, so... It is what it is. Yeah, he's he's got a bad feedback loop just for how we have it set up here. No, I know. Or I, I'm stupid. Yeah. I know the feeling. All right, for our last topic, it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about the makers versus the managers schedule. So I came across this topic. Uh, Steve Gibson actually talked about it on his podcast. It was actually pretty interesting to me. So I'll lay it out. One reason programmers dislike meetings so much is that they're on a different type of schedule from other people. Meetings cost them more. So there's two types of schedules, the manager schedule and the maker's schedule. The manager schedule is for bosses. It looks like an appointment book where your day is cut up into one hour intervals. It's a schedule of command. So you can just say, I want for this hour, I'm going to do this. For that hour, I'm going to do that. So there's a lot of structure to it. But when we talk about like, what we call makers, these like programmers and writers, they generally prefer to use time in units of half a day at least. You can't write or program in units of an hour. That's barely enough time to get started. So when you're operating on the maker's schedule, the meetings are a disaster. A single meeting can blow an entire afternoon by breaking into two pieces, each too small to do something hard in. So I'll give you an example uh, for me on, on how this makers versus manager schedule worked. Uh, so as you guys know, our listeners might not know, I took a family vacation last month. And when the kids went to bed, um, I actually brought my laptop and did some work. So not the type of work that would, would make you commit seppuku, like Zoom meetings and answering customer emails. But I had two projects I had to get done and just focus time to bang it out. And after the kids went to sleep was the perfect time to sit down with my headphones on and focus on actually getting it done. So I was on the maker schedule. The last two months, I was on the manager schedule. I just could not get it done. I feel you, Chris. I, I totally feel you. I, I just uh, try try imagine now in the world where uh, meetings are now being scheduled for every 30 minutes. And, and you're like, what can you p- potentially get done in 30 minutes that that needs to be scheduled? Right, so it couldn't be done um, in a text message, right? Yeah, yeah, or a Slack a, yeah, channel. exactly, <clears throat> or an yeah. email. Yeah, and like I said, I think we've always talked about how Elon Musk runs his meetings. Right, it's like if you don't think you're you belong in the meeting, just just check out. And I've I've fully fully backed that. So, but uh, from an aspect of being able to concentrate, I think my maker schedule. Is probably more in the evenings, you know, after nine, ten o'clock when the kids go to bed or the family goes to bed, and then I can get, you know, get a good couple hours in uh, till about one, two o'clock in the morning when I when I feel like I need to get some, you know, bust out a bunch of things. Um, but for for the most part, it's it's definitely a, ma- a manager's schedule during the day. Yeah, I feel like I can't get anything done after work hours if I have anything kind of over my head. Yeah, so I can't be a good husband or dad. I could barely function. I can't even watch TV because I'm thinking about the work that I have to get done. So I'm just hit pause, go back to work, grind it, and then then we call it a day. Yeah, even even after like during the regular work day and uh, after the kids go to bed on a regular work day, and then yeah, the hours after that are just filled with like things I should have been doing during the day, like answering customer emails and things that 
I couldn't get to because I was stuck in meetings all day. So yeah, which begs the question: I, How late will you send me an email to a customer? I'll send it to them any hour of the day. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I've done it before. <clears throat> yeah. What if they are like, they're gonna be buying like ten million dollars worth of crap from you? And now you're sitting in the presidents that Chris Lou just wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and just cranks out emails. So we expect that once we become a customer. Well, there's right. this thing called schedule a delivery of an email as well, Brian. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> schedule delivery, and you, yeah. And you could have it scheduled to be delivered at eight o'clock in the morning, even though you write out a whole bunch of emails. So that way it's the first email that is at the top of the inbox versus the emails that were written at three o'clock in the morning. So I'll challenge you on that. Money. I don't think you can do that on Gmail. You can. Yeah. There's a plugin for it, but I don't think it's na- native. It is now. They added it that. Is. Oh, okay. At least six yeah. months ago, maybe a year ago. If you click the down arrow next to send, there is a schedule send button. Oh, Just okay. FYI. Yeah, they have native support for that now. Outlook had that decades ago. I'm surprised it took this long for Gmail to catch up to that. And and there's some people out there that like to look busy where they'll actually schedule to send after hours to make it look like they're online. So just just a little trick, right? There's two sides of that story. There's yeah. the uh, the USB uh, mouse mover to make it look like you're like always online and like never gone away. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, I may I have helped. I, I may have helped somebody um, put that on their computer so that way they could make it look like they were online at uh, six seven o'clock in the morning. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when the world switched to work from home and companies started tracking your team status or your Slack status and see if you went away for too long or what time you, you set up. Uh, there was a lot of people online asking how, how they can do that using a mouse jiggler or, or something. But yeah, that exploded after the whole work from home thing. Yeah, I just put peanut butter in my mouse, let the dog lick it. <laughs> like it was busy all day. There you go. <laughs> You created all kinds of emails that said "bow wow." Bow <laughs> wow. So on the on the note of like the makers versus managers, this has nothing to do with it. But in Chicago, there's like a whole lot of like uh, specific gender based bathrooms. And I'm not going to say anything here that's bad, but I I've decided that we should forget about like gender based bathrooms, and we should just divide it into pooping and peeing. I think everyone could be get behind that. Yeah, so when you go in, you know what you're, you know what to expect. Exactly, exactly. Million dollar idea. I I just don't get rid of my urinals because I don't want to sit down. So you don't I don't care if there's a lady urinal? next to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you make them, you know the uh, the all gender, then I I see nothing but toilets. But I, I like my urinals, so. So much so, I'm still thinking about having one installed in my garage. There's flaws in my system of thinking here. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have to refine this this million dollar idea. I'm with you. I think urinals should be in every bathroom in my house, even the kids' <laughs> right? bathroom. I don't even use. I just need it just in case. What about the like garage? The, the kids. How about closets? the garage? The garage is a great place. <laughs> you said every room in the house. So well, say, every say bathroom it. of the house. You're right. <laughs> Urinal is a service. <laughs> U-A-E-S. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys remember the Ferguson? The Ferguson. What nah, is that? I don't think so. What is that? That's, that was Al Bundy's like dream toilet. You could like oh, flush right, like yeah. sixteen golf balls at once <laughs> as a unit oh, of man. measurement of how ferocious it was. Uh, that's yeah. too funny. So, so you got to build so, it. Hey, speaking of urinals, are you guys into the whole bidet thing? My wife's been bugging me about that, and I'm still like, no. 
think we talked I, about it in one of the episodes. Like I've, I've never tried it. Um, yeah, I, I when we remodeled the bathroom, we put a plug near the toilet so that it would be possible in the future. But I've uh-huh. never experienced it or have any desire to go that way right now. Yeah, my wife's all in this kick about uh, you know the Costco toilet shortage or a toilet paper shortage and. She's like, we got to get a bidet, and I'm like, okay, so we Wasn't bought one. And I turned around, and returned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And she still bugs me every month to get one put in. So I, I'd be game for it, like right now, but I don't want to spray like the cold water up my my sphincter. I'm, I'm with Chris. I need to have an outlet right there. Yeah. And, I, and when I was in Hawaii, they had one. This thing was uh-huh. amazing. Like, not only was it nice, warm, lukewarm water. But it had a massaging feature. Don't ask why. And then it was blow dry. It was amazing. <laughs> it had a blow dryer. My all gosh. All one. Yeah, you just you yeah. were just done. You hit that. It's all little, little whirring sound. Don't worry. It was amazing. <laughs> Felt like a newborn baby. You had to look this up on Amazon. I know. So back to the makers and manager schedule. Oh, yeah. So in, in the context of technology, it's the constant context switching that usually ruins my productivity. I can never focus on on one thing for as much time as I need to get it done. And it's the same case when I'm trying to juggle like a customer call and get the kids ready for school. You would think I could focus on each at 50%, but it's more like less than 20% because of the constant context switching. So if I know my afternoon will be broken up with a meeting, I'm just not going to start a project that I have to abruptly stop. Yeah, I'm with you one, on that. I feel bad like with the kids. I, I think about that because my life is a little bit easier. Everyone's a, lo- you know, a lot older. So I wake up, I go to the gym, I work through my day. Like I'll look at my calendar real quick and be like, all right, this is what I got to do, mentally prepare. But uh, young little ones. Yeah, it, it was awful like, during the pandemic when we had them both home. and It, it, it was I don't. I look back and I don't know how we got through it, but yeah, two parents working from home full time, two kids at home, youngish. Yeah, we just yeah. had a fill I, with I, activities, and I, yeah. I tried. To, I tried to pay attention to when you said uh, family time. You know, when you put those little blocks in your schedule, Chris, yeah. in order to take care of things, because I knew you and your wife were both working from home, and that's got to be crazy. Um, my kids were a little, a lot, a lot, a lot, are a lot older and still they, I mean, they took up a lot of my time just asking me stuff like coming in during a zoom call. Right. So yeah. it was too funny. Thank you, Glenn, for respecting that. Can't say the same for other people that had to put things on my calendar. Just saying. I, I tried. I tried. I always you called you and asked you. So yeah, yeah, you did. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. Since our guest dropped out and I didn't prepare my co-host, I will pull one from my archive. Your repertoire? My repertoire. Are you going to read this or just going to right from the dome? Should, right from the dome. So right. I Should we actually... start laughing right now? Wah, wah, wah. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so the, the theme of our get-together, our company-wide get-together is is unlocked, you know, unlock your potential, unlock your superpower. So when I had to present to all the SEs here, and uh, the technical folks, I said, my superpower is dad jokes on demand. So that there's very high expectations of that. So this is one of my dad jokes on demand. Pause. If I've heard this already, you're done. It's not on demand. So this better be unique. I'm pretty sure it'll be unique. All right. I'm All right. Let's go. All right. Dear diary. What do you call Batman that refuses to go to church? Christian Bale. I get it. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. 
Yeah. I like that. All right, Chris. There you go. See? I my mom, mom, my mom. reputation is intact. I was sweating bullets for you, brother. <laughs> That's it. That's it. A lot of pressure. Good job, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. All right. To wrap things up, thank you to our listeners for making the AMA episode the best one yet. Google mitigated another record-breaking DDoS attack. Don't drink Brian's orange juice. <laughs> Outdoor cameras are vulnerable to theft. U.S. main justice switch back to paper records to prevent hacking. Don't threaten a hacker unless you want your data dumped. And have a chat with your manager about the maker versus manager schedule. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pebcag Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who raised five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and Glenn Medina, and not a guest this week, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Bye, Felicia. Bye. Toodles. <laughs>